All right, welcome back to the Founder Lab Marketing Show. Today's episode is actually a podcast interview where I was being interviewed by Barat Mirafshah from Bonanza Studios. This is an episode from the Bonanza Growth Podcast. I've linked it down below if you want to check it out. And we talk about B2B enterprise sales and how executives can leverage their authority and their expertise to drive enterprise deals. I hope there's something in there. If you have any feedback, just let me know on LinkedIn. And now enjoy this episode with Bera Mirafsha. My studio doesn't do marketing, right? We are more focused on um, basically the product side of get into the product market fit. Mm-hmm. You are more on basically the front end, the front facing. So you do a lot of basically content marketing, how you can do demand gen, generate demand organically, why organically and pay, right? So I would love to pick up your brain on this because what I see, so I, you know, we work with clients and mostly we deal with their homepage, right. website, product. And what I increasingly see that B2B early stage startups, they fundamentally fail to communicate and connect to their audience on the mm-hmm. landing pages. Mm-hmm. So I think I really want to go deep in this, why this is happening and why even second time founders third time founders fail to deliver on that and connect to their audience Mm. so i would love for you to dig deeper in the psychology of b2b purchasing how people founders purchase software what's the process they're taking and sort of hopefully what i'm trying to get out of this conversation is helping my audience understand that the process of sales is way more complicated than than they think. Yeah, I mean, I think there's multiple threats to pick up there. I think, you know, and and I don't I don't want to say we're we're perfect or great at this, but resonating with your audience is so hard because yeah. it's actually hard work. Mm. Right? Because First, you need to put a stake in the ground and decide who you're going to be trying to talk to. Mm. Right? People say define your ICP and define your target audience, but most companies don't actually do that. They want to kind of get away with trying to sell to everyone because you know they feel like they would hinder their growth or cap their potential if they would say, oh, we're only going to work with B2B software companies. Um at the pre-revenue stage, or we're only going to work with B2B software companies with a PLG motion in the healthcare industry. Because that would mean that they would have to say no to all the other ones, Mm -hmm. right? And especially when you're early on, you don't just get inbound from, you know, B2B software companies in the healthcare sector, you get them from all kinds of ways, right? So that's why most companies already don't put their stake in the ground. Um, and that's really important to do because otherwise you will never be able to do the second step, which is to really understand them. Mm. Because yeah. to be able to resonate with them, you need to really understand them. You need to understand 
who they are, where they're coming from, what their desires are, how they're currently going about doing business, what tools they use, what people they listen to, what problems are big for them, what priorities are important to them, you know, which channels they uh, spend time in, which communities they spend time in, who the big thought leaders in the space are that they look up to, which the podcasts are that they listen to, right? All of these things you need to know to be able to find the topics that actually resonate with them, right? And so most companies don't want to define their IC peak because they feel like they will curtail their growth. Yeah. So that that's where most fail. But even if you do it and you say, okay, we're only going to sell to B2B SaaS founders between one to 10 million in revenue who have a sales-led motion. That's our ICP. Now you need to do the actual step of understanding them because just defining it doesn't mean that you understand them. And that's real hard work because there's no shortcut for it. You can't just Google it. You You need to actually have dozens and hundreds of conversations with these people. Yes. And then you need to ask open-minded, curious questions and actually learn from them who they are, what they do, what they care about, what their priorities are, how they speak, what jargon they use, what tools they use, et cetera. And again, there's no shortcut for it because you actually need to have dozens to hundreds of conversations with these people. And most are not willing to do that because they do it at a time where probably they're already struggling with their company, yes. right? And so like you're already putting out fires all day in every corner. So to find an extra three hours a day to just have conversations with potential ICPs, not to sell to them, but to just understand them and get their feedback and listen to them, that's just hard work. And so there's no shortcut, and that's why most companies don't do it. And I do the same mistake, right? I'm not trying to be hypocritical. Like, yeah, it took me until six months ago to actually define our ICP. Until that, we never had an ICP. We sold to B2B companies, but that's, you know, that's like half the world, you know, that doesn't mean anything. And I'm only now really starting to dig deeper and deeper into really understanding them because you make some educated guesses or just pure guesses and you roll with them, right? Where you're like, well, they must care about, you know, in our case, high engagement on their LinkedIn posts, right? They must care about that. I care about that. It's important to me. Yeah, They must care about that. So let me create content around how to get higher engagement on your LinkedIn content. And then you're like, why did this piece of content not resonate? Why did it not get any engagement? Why did it not create leads or whatever? Because maybe that's just simply not something that they care about. Yeah. What they actually care about is how can I, you know, generate demos? Like I'm just not, I don't have enough qualified opportunities in my pipeline to hit my revenue goals. That's what Mm. they care about. You know, not the engagement numbers on their LinkedIn content. Unless they already made the downstream assumptions that higher engagement on my content will lead to more inbound, will lead to more opportunities in my pipeline, which will lead to hitting my revenue goal. But most probably haven't made that connection, so you need to educate them. But all I'm saying is most people work with assumptions and they think they know what their prospects and customers must care about, but they don't actually validate it by asking them and it's like, is do you want higher engagement? Like, what? No, I don't care about that. I just want customers. Yes, yeah. if higher engagement will help me get more customers, whatever the thing is. And then not only do you need to understand really what they care about, you need to know what they really care about in their language. Yes. Right, because it's 
there's many ways to say the same thing. It's you can say I need more customers. You might say I need to grow revenue. You might say I need to grow pipeline. You might say I need more inbound demos. You might say I need more qualified demos. You might say I need more trial signups. You might say I need to reduce my customer acquisition costs and short my sales cycle. You know, there's many ways to say the same thing. And for something to resonate, you need to find their words. Mm. And again, there's no shortcut. It just takes hours and hours and hours of interactions and interviews and questions with these people. I think the only maybe shortcut that I've found is, and it's not really shortcut time, time-wise, though it is a shortcut, is find ways to listen to your ICP that doesn't necessarily have for you to be on a call with them. For yes. example, a podcast. Mm-hmm. Right, finding podcasts, and I've I listened to the Twenty VC podcast. I listened to the Nathan Latka podcast. Why? Because they constantly, once or twice or three times a week, interview our ICPs. Yeah. Right, and so I can listen to how our our ICP thinks and what they care about, not just by me interviewing them one on one, but by listening to podcasts where they get interviewed. Right. So there are some shortcuts to it. Um, but I think that's that's the long, and it was a long answer. That's the long answer to why most companies never resonate with their audience. And by the way, what still surprises me is this is true for quite mature companies. Mm. Like I thought this is something that just like you know pre-revenue, super small startups who don't have any customers struggle with. We have customers that are a $6 million company and they still don't really know who their ICP is. Oh, wow. How is that possible? They've gotten there through brute force, through volume, like just trying anything and everyone, through a strong network of the founder who has maybe been in business for 20 years prior. So they know a lot of people who trust them deeply. And so they can reach out to these people and sell them warm. But eventually they hit a growth ceiling and that growth ceiling might be 10 million. But eventually even they need to go back and be like, shit, like who really is our audience and what really do they care about? Something uh, I would like to go deeper is that you said that your target audience is B2B businesses, correct me if I'm wrong, that generate between one to 10 million and Mm -hmm. they have a sales led product mm-hmm. um, and I know a bit about your business so my curiosity here is why sales led B2B businesses are more of a fit to what you're offering um, because the other side of sales that is product led which means generally high volume and it's mostly growth that drives it so generally, mm. if you look at a PLG company, Loom, Zoom, Dropbox, you know, any of the companies basically where you can sign up for a free trial, freemium product, seven bucks a month, Slack. I don't know anyone at Slack. Yeah. A person meaning. I don't yeah. know anyone at Loom. I don't know anyone at most of the, you know, low cost, high velocity, low barrier products because it's product driven. Right, you yes. do growth. You can run performance marketing. That's that's closer to B two C in the sense that, you know, here's a quick claim. 
the consideration cycle is short. I can click on the end, go to the website, sign up for a free trial and actually try it out. And if I like the yeah. product a week or two weeks or 30 days later, I, I sign up for the $30 per month paid version of the product. Mm. Right. So it's not so much people driven, it's product driven, it's higher volume, it's shorter consideration cycles. Um, and it's most, mostly growth. Like f- for them, they want to hire a head of growth. They want to hire a chief growth officer to figure out the hacks to, you know, find network effects or something like that, where people invite other people for enterprise software, where what you sell has an average selling price of 50000 or 70000 or 150000 and you sell into a mid-market or enterprise company, and there's buying committees where you don't need to convince one person uh-huh. to put their website on your, uh, their email on your website to sign up for a free trial to trial it out. You need to convince seven people, mm. the economic buyer and the champion and the, all the influencers, and then sales cycles are six months long. Like, it's all people driven. Yes. Because generally people you can't trial the product. Like enterprise software, you know, you can't you can't do a six, seven day trial for enterprise software. Mm-hmm. You can demo it, you can see it in action through a salesperson, but then you need to commit to a hundred and fifty thousand dollar contract before you can actually use the software. So that means the the barrier of trust and credibility is so much higher because people's jobs are at stake. Like if I yeah. try out Slack for seven days and I don't like it, I just stop using it. If I'm a VP of uh, a head of IT and I buy this cybersecurity software for $130,000 a year, uh, sign a three-year three license, which is always almost half a million dollars that I commit to, and it's not a good product, I'll lose my job. Yeah. So that means that there is just, it's longer consideration cycle. It's way more people driven. It's way more trust and credibility you need to establish. And you do that through depth of expertise, right? Your prospect need to validate that you are credible, that you know what you're doing, that you're an expert in your field, that you've done this many times before, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So those are, and it's nuanced because it's enterprise software. So it's not like a, oh yeah, we integrate with HubSpot. You know, it's not like a, it's not like a thing like that. It's, you know, more nuanced thing that you need to communicate to many different stakeholders along a long period of time. So that's why we believe in those cases, it, it makes a lot more sense to have a people driven nuanced marketing approach where you have a subject matter expert an exec at your company, founder, CEO, CMO, CRO, CTO, whoever that person is, share their expertise because you have sophisticated buyers Mm -hmm. that really need to see and feel and hear that you guys know what you're doing. And it's not through a product ad that has a cute little screenshot and it says try for free that people can click on and sign up for a free trial. Wow. So... Mid-market enterprise level, let me summarize. These um, purchases, typically you need to buy one to three year license. The contract value is at around half a million. 
there is economic buyer, there is a champion, there is other stakeholders that are in the mm-hmm. process of decision making. And basically they ambush your brand from different angles. They look into your website, they look into who is behind it, uh, how many people working for this company, who are the founders, what right. these guys are talking about, what these guys are about. So basically you get a very, very intense audit. If you are lucky to be shortlisted as part of the consideration of that enterprise, you get a heavy audit. So what you are, basically the recipe that you're proposing is that let's go down the route of subject matter expert marketing type situation where Mm -hmm. um, the founders or the thought leaders of the company are at the front and center of the brand and they are broadcasting their thesis at scale to their target audience. Am I following properly? Very, yeah, very I think good. so. So how does content at scale, like help me figure this one out. How, how does content at scale, which you do really good, by the way, uh, whenever you post something, I'm ma- making time to listen because I always pick up something. How one does, of the few people. I appreciate it. No, th- I do. I think your content is very spot on. How does content at scale is going to help sales live uh, B2B software companies to right. land more uh, enterprise or you know big contracts? Right. So I think there's two answers here. The first one is, again, you need to overcome a big barrier of trust and credibility when you sell software into mid-marketing enterprise. Right. Which means that takes time and it takes a lot of information gaps to be filled. Mm-hmm. Traditionally, how that is being done is through a salesperson. Yeah. Right. You book a demo, you have a one hour call with a salesperson, and then you have another call, and then you have another call, and then you bring in two more decision makers into another call, and then they bring in their CTO into the next call, and then you send back back and forth emails and proposals and contracts and, you know, product one pagers and you know it's just yeah. a lot of one-on-one interaction and it takes a lot of time that's why enterprise sales cycles are so long right because you need all of this all of these stakeholders all to get aligned and it just takes many calls and these people are busy so it's not like you can you know cram seven calls into one week it's like you have one call and then the next one is in two weeks you know, and then they need to get the budget approved and that's going to be at the end of the quarter and that's when you have your next call or whatever, right? And so content is just that at scale because everything that your salespeople do on the sales call from explaining the product and how it works, highlighting the pain points that you guys solve with it and what's the economic ROI of using your solution, walking people through case studies, and customer success stories of what you've done before for similar companies, the team behind the product and who's building it, your thesis on the market and where you think are headed, um, the features and the benefits and the integrations and how many how much support you offer, all of these things you can front load by producing content about it. Yeah. And then, first of all, you can have the most suited person to answer any 
particular question, answer that question. Because yeah. if you have your salesperson, they're not probably technical. So they're going to have some templated answer to how do you integrate with so-and-so that they were taught. But probably your CTO, your CPO, or your CEO has a really great answer. And so by leveraging content, you can get the best suitable person for each particular question to answer that question. And it's scaled because in a sales call, you know, I answer each question one-on-one -on, -one on the next sales call with the next prospect, I answer the same question again. If I produce a video or a piece of content that addresses that question, I can put it on LinkedIn, I can put it on YouTube, I can put it yeah. on our website, I can send it out in an email newsletter. My sales team can leverage it in their outbound and their follow-up. And now my executive spent, you know, seven minutes once for hundreds and thousands of prospects to all spend seven minutes with your executive. So it's scaled. Right, that's one thing. It just purely saves time for your sales team and front front loads a lot of the information that people need. And then the other thing is we're in a different world now where there's so much information freely available. You used to have to talk to a salesperson to find out what the price is for the product. Yeah. Now, if you're in mid-market or enterprise, some of your competitors actually have pricing on their website transparently. If you are not one of those, you're at a disadvantage because buyers say that they want to know pricing before they engage in a sales conversation, at least the range in pricing, not the exact quote, but give me like a range. Or like you can just literally Google it because you can just go to Reddit. Like Gong doesn't have pricing on their website, but it takes you one Google search to find out how much Gong costs. Because mm -hmm. someone in some community on Reddit or whatever asked that question and a bunch of people answered it, yeah. right? So we live in a different world where your competitors are already providing a lot of information transparently. So if you're not, you're probably falling behind. Because again, just think about yourself as a buyer, right? Like if I want to buy a product or a service and I have two options and with one of them, I'm completely blind I have no idea what they do exactly. I have no idea what it will cost. I have no idea who I will be working with. I have no idea what integrations they have. And then the other one, they have it all on their website and their socials. And I can see, okay, price range is this. They integrate with this, this, and this. Here's some case studies with actual customers I can watch before the first sales call. Like, guess who I'm more likely to reach out to and have a sales call with? The second yep. one, right? And so, like, it's partly just the name of, name of the game nowadays. And so our thesis is, the quality of the information will determine the outcome. Yeah. You can have a content marketer or your SEO specialist write up something, but if you sell to sophisticated buyers, mm -hmm. it's not going to cut it. Yeah. And so if instead you can have your CTO or your CPO or your CEO or your CRO talk to these things, the quality of the information is just much better. It's deeper. It's more sophisticated. The level of thought leadership is actually there because your content marketer, your SEO specialist doesn't have thought leadership. Yes. Your executives do. That's right. And so the quality of the information determines the outcome. So that's why we do founder-led marketing we, because we believe it should be the executives or the founder, the people who deeply understand the market and the customers and the product and who've been there, done that for many years to provide the insights for the content that then goes out on social and the website, et cetera. And so I think those are just a couple of those, the things that, uh, that, that play a role here. 100%. I think something that 
Oh, and sorry, one last point. It's just people want to buy from the best. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah exactly. If I, I know, to yeah. if I know I'm going to buy a CRM system or I'm going to buy a revenue intelligence platform or I'm going to buy SEO services or I'm going to buy LinkedIn advertising services, I want to work with the best possible person I can afford, right? The price is the limiting factor, but and and how do I determine who's the best? That's what thought leadership is, right? Yeah. If you're seen as a thought leader in SEO or thought leader in LinkedIn advertising or thought leader in revenue intelligence or thought leader in CRM systems, then that means people see you as the best or one of the best at least. And so when it comes time for me to consider my options, who I'm going to work with and buy from, I'm first going to go through all of the people who I see as a thought leader and see if I can afford them. If I can, I'm going to work with them. And only if they're so far out of my range that I can't afford them, that's when I go to the second tier or the third tier. And how do you build thought leadership? It's by sharing expertise and insights that are non-obvious and deep and valuable and address people's problems in the places where they already spend time every day, which for B2B is mostly LinkedIn, right? Because you don't want to be intrusive and cold call them and be like, hey, by the way, have you ever thought about these three tools that you should leverage? No, you can produce a piece of content, a video that you then publish on LinkedIn because your economic buyers already spend time on LinkedIn every week. And so they can just consume it there, right? One of the mentors of mine that they have an innovation agency they've been running this for over five years now when i started my business team years back he told me something really interesting he said that first you start your business agency business you will compete on price as you gain more expertise and experience and develop your capabilities and tools and processes then you enter a new universe that people throw money at you because they believe you can deliver certain things pretty well. Right. I didn't get it that time. I feel like I'm slowly changing universe. I still a lot of, I still not there, but I think it's getting closer. I was in a call last week with the potential new clients and he told me that Bharat, for me expertise and the speed of execution come first mm. price come last right and i totally get what you're saying that people want the best because if i make a bad decision i get fired right the cost of a bad decision in high-ticket B2B products or services is much higher, right? If I think Slack is the better solution over over Microsoft Teams, I'll sign up, I'll spend seven bucks, I'll, and if I don't like it, I switch to Microsoft Teams. It took me about a month and I lost $7, right? If I hire the wrong product agency, product design agency, and commit to a $150,000 contract to build my product over the next 12 months, and I picked the wrong one, <laughs> I lost $150,000 in 12 months of time. 
Yes. So that's again why the the trust and credibility hurdle is so much bigger. And that's why the need for thought leadership and expertise is so much higher. 2024 is around the corner. And I would love for you to sort of like end this really short and precise episode with a couple of advices, you know, majority of our listeners are founders. Mm -hmm. What should they do differently this year? I mean, it's, you know, practice what we preach. I think a thought leadership motion on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. So taking an executive at your company, ideally the founder and CEO. Yeah. Someone who deeply understands your customers and pain point and their pain points and who has the expertise to speak to that. Yes. Take them and figure out a program, a repeatable process to extract their insights and turn it into LinkedIn content. We do it through a weekly interview. Other people can find different ways. But we sit down with our subject matter experts once a week. We prepare questions. We interview them. We record it. We transcribe it. And then we turn it into bite-sized LinkedIn content that we can then publish. Right? I think that's one, a thought leadership motion on LinkedIn for your executives. Again, if you're in B2B, high-ticket, mid-market, selling into mid-market enterprise, et cetera. Another one is LinkedIn advertising. Like just leverage LinkedIn because the targeting has become so powerful if you know your buyer, and again, it comes back to the start of this conversation, you do need to know who your ICP is and what they care about. So if you don't know that, pick one that you're already semi-successful with and then just go deep on them and interview them and ask them questions and hop on calls with them and listen to podcasts where they share their what they care about, right? Deeply understand them because you can now get very surgical with your LinkedIn advertising and target any type of persona you really want to target. And especially in conjunction with the thought leadership motion, you're already warming people up through the thought leadership motion and you're constantly testing messages organically that you can then leverage in your paid paid ads. Um, and then I think the third one is a live event slash webinar or whatever you want to call it uh, turned into a podcast. You can actually combine all of these where you host a weekly webinar, you invite your prospects, ICPs, all leaders in your space, you interview them once a week, you do it live, you get your audience to join so they can ask their questions. So now you're building a community and you're getting Mm -hmm. questions from your audience too. You produce that into a weekly podcast and YouTube video. And then you take snippets from that and that's going to be a LinkedIn organic content, both for you and that you can send to the other person to evangelize and promote you for you. Ideally, they already have an audience. Right. So combining all of those, I think, is just one of the most powerful programs that people can currently run. Again, the trick is you need a subject matter expert, someone who really, really, really understands your product, your industry, your customer, their pain points, and has the depth of expertise to speak to it on a weekly basis in depth. Mm -hmm. And then you need that person to actually commit to this thing and actually invest time and actually share their expertise and actually prepare some topics and actually connect with people on LinkedIn and engage with other people and reply to messages and comments. Because if it's a half-assed thing where that executive's like, okay, whatever marketing team, if you tell me to show up to this webinar once a week or once a month, I'll do it. 
but if their heart is not in it and they don't do the follow-up and preparation steps before and after to actually take advantage of this, it's not going to work. Right. Thank you a lot, Finn. I always pick something whenever we have the chance to call mm-hmm. and talk to each other. Um, enjoy your holidays. and uh, Same, I'll, man. You're doing great on LinkedIn. I love your content. Thank you, man. I appreciate the time and you enjoy the holidays too. It was a fun conversation. Cheers.